0: When you think about doing luxury hospitality on the highest level, you think there are some nuances in there. And as we grow, you know, I'm sure we're going to have to scale and find ways to scale. But right now, and what I've experienced is that not only have they given me the keys to drive and steer the ship, but a super supportive, so supportive in the way we bring our own ideas to the table and integrity is at the forefront. And as long as we're unlocking those core values, this is a place where the sky continues to be the limit.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have Juan Webster, General Manager and Corporate Director of Social Impact for Montage International. Juan, thanks for joining us today. Steve, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Well, Juan, we get started right away on this podcast. Let's do it. What was your first job in hospitality? First job
0: in hospitality, I was a front desk agent slash laundry attendant. Same time, same role. So when no de- guests were available to check in, I was folding laundry in the back for the next shift. Wow. And where was this happening? This is at an uh, extended stay Studio Plus Hotel in the RTP in the heart of Durham, Raleigh, Triangle
1: area uh, in North Carolina. I don't think I've heard that combination yet in all these episodes that we've done. That's the first <laughs> time I've heard half laundry, half front desk, but... You know, I was interested to talk to you about that because you've done extended stay and some of the limited service hotels. Absolutely. What got you started in that? Was it just a job that you had while you were at University of North Carolina or you were doing something on the side? or How did you start there? Yeah,
0: no, it was it was in between. So after I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, I was a party promoter and uh, I was letting that hold me over until my next career, which was pursuing a career in nursing. So I was going to North Carolina Central University and beginning my career in nursing as a second degree and, and looking at that program, decided I get a part-time job. One of my best friends was like, hey, I think you should look at hotels. You'd be really good at it. You already know how to talk to people and you always engage with people. So I think it'd be natural, you should try it out. I was like, well, nothing to lose. Let's just go see what it looks like. And I, I, I was it was at the time where you could walk into a place with no appointment and say, look, uh, I'm Warren Webster. I, I want to do this. I'd love to do this, but I'm willing to do whatever you'd have me to
1: do just to stay engaged and learn more. And that's how I got my introduction. Wow. So you do that. That didn't scare you away from working in hospitality that first job or were you like, all right. <laughs> no, truly that that's what really kind of captured me in along with some other
0: things, but we had an ice storm in the North Carolina area in that region. And ice in the South is a big deal. Like you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. And I was really stuck at the hotel for about eight to 10 days. And so uh, the good news is it provided me with room and board and hot meals and I I was really taken care of. And so a lot different than the situation I had at home. (laughs) But it did give me a chance to see what it was like to really engage and turn a real negative situation into a gathering spot and hosting people and learning why they're here and, and really unlocking on what it means to be a gracious host. So that was my introduction and that that ice storm really kind of allowed me to fall in love with hospitality because I knew I would be good at like talking to the guests, but you know, really being the front person like, hey, you need someone to go do housekeeping? Yeah, I'll go do that. Or to, sc- to scrape ice on the front drive? Yeah, I'll go do that. And then the guests would see me like in every part of the hotel. And it just became a thing.
1: Yeah. Like, Juan, you're back. He goes, I never left, man. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you you start to get into it. Your friend talks about it. And you're in school for nursing. You decide to make a change, right? Correct. Yeah. And so you go into hospitality. What did your family or friends say when you say this to them? Well,
0: hospitality still was something that not a lot of people understood as a career, as a profession. And I think spending time in North Carolina Central University in the hospitality department. I met a professor who became a mentor and almost like a godmother for me for the entire industry. And she introduced me to an organization called National Society of Minorities in Hospitality. And that began to unlock the amazing opportunities within this industry that I got more and more exposure to. So once I learned more and saw more, like I was able to kind of take off. And now I'm, I'm, I'm almost a veteran, I guess, because I've been in the industry for 20 years.
1: Yeah, you've, you've really done it. And so when when you decide to do it, where do you start actually jumping in? Was it at interstate hotels as a management trainee? Is that where you started?
0: Well, after after that initial experience with the extended stay, you know, interstate hotels gave me an opportunity to do a management training program. So we're down to Houston, Texas, and joined the Marriott West Loop by the Galleria and did a rotational program and that was it. I mean, you're taking a a country boy from rural North Carolina down to real big city and like learning the craft of hospitality, rotating departments, and getting the exposure and the experience. And when I say rotating departments, literally, I, I did everything from install HVAC units to get my hands burned on the back line on the grill, because you really have hands on experience in every department. So yeah,
1: and so you decided to come back. So you had your little run down there and decided to come back home to North Carolina.
0: Come back and see what the next step of the opportunities were. Finish the program, looking for placement. And in the meantime, just just willing to get in and try try leadership roles and uh, practicing my craft and what I've learned and, and trying to continue to take it to the next level.
1: So that's where I want to kind of talk about it, because we haven't talked to too many people who've had your your career journey And so I was very curious because I don't know much about him. So you started La Quinta and in suites as the assistant general manager after your management training. What was that like? Could you start to be really kind of a senior leader on the property at a young age? What was that like?
0: I mean, it, it was new territory, but most of the time I was the youngest person providing instruction and guidance to a lot of people that were my senior. But the most humbling thing and the most rewarding thing at the same time was being able to connect with people regardless of where they're from or what they've experienced. Uh, I had a way of breaking down those layers. So they no longer saw me as this young guy trying to boss them around. They saw me as someone that they could talk to, someone that they could learn from, someone that they could lean in and someone that was willing to get in and do the job with them and then help, help restore confidence and bring out the greatness in every level, whether it was housekeeping or front office or engineering or sales really didn't matter, but just w- being willing to get in. So that's how it started with kind of pushing myself towards
1: hospitality and then seeing my way through. And what was it like kind of, you, you mentioned it, like leading adults when you're still pretty young, like your young 20s. Was it, would you have that leadership skill from like your UNC wrestling days or was it something that you just think you know, lattery had from party promoting, like how did you do that? I think it's a mixture of everything. I
0: mean, growing up in a community where everyone supported one another, I was no stranger to jumping out and tackling leadership at any given cost. Using that from party promotion to event planning to wrestling, you take on a leadership role naturally. And I think those were all transferable skills. I didn't know I was preparing for a career in hospitality, but that's essentially what it was. I was a go-to guy when people wanted to have a gathering, get people together, or the guy who was selected to go speak on behalf of the group and taking those experiences and, again, transferring them into real-life work experience, becoming a professional at the same time, I think that made the transition, I won't say easier,
1: but uh, it it kept my head in it. That makes sense. And then you start to make a transition. You you know, go to a new hotel and talk to me. What what happened there? Why make that move? What 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 transitioned in your world?
0: Well, I think looking and learning and understanding, I go back to NSMH, that organization, giving me exposure to learning the layers of hospitality. Limited service, select service, full service, upper scale, luxury. And, you know, keeping in mind, I jumped head in and almost similar to like a roadside in not quite that, but similar to that. So you would have construction crews come in. So going from that experience to high end executives, that was quite the transition. But at the core, I never changed who I was. And I think what I learned is that people wanted to be treated human, not as an executive, not as a construction worker, but as a human. And you have to be able to hone in on what that looks like. And when you approach people, there's a certain people acumen that will allow you to find connectivity. And once you find the connectivity, common ground, you can accomplish anything. People are willing to share more, give more, provide more. They're also able and willing to provide you with grace. So if you did make a mistake, they understand that it was not a personal it's more so they're gonna blame that on the learning but giving me another opportunity to learn and grow so going into that next layer a more organized uniformed full service throttle starting to get into the restaurant and food food and beverage side and seeing what it looks like and then jumping into my first intro into luxury that was it was fun it was different but i probably learned the most in that
1: chapter yeah, so at that Umstead Hotel and Spa, it's a big difference from La Quinta, but I was curious, when you're at this resort and spa, were there things that you thought back on that La Quinta, like you brought as a best practice, or was it all just learning a different way of doing things at that hotel?
0: I will tell you the truth. I recently shared the story, and it's so funny that you asked this. There was a moment as an adult male where at the Umstead Hotel and Spa, I broke down on my knees and literally cried. And the reason was because I had just cleaned 12 rooms. And so when I joined the Umstead Hotel and Spa, I first applied as a front office manager. And at the time they told me that I didn't have the experience, especially on the luxury side. And so for them, that was, they were just being honest with me. For me, what I heard was I wasn't good enough. And it kind of put a chip on my shoulder and I said, okay, well, what do you have? available and I'll prove it to you. So I entered the Umstead Hotel and Spa as a housekeeping supervisor. And I took on that role and it's an opening property. It's a lot of work. Most people see the after part when you come in as a guest already, if you forget about moving furniture around, pulling blue tape, cleaning rooms and building your staff. So there was one day where I cleaned 12 rooms as a supervisor, and it just broke me down. And I was like, spending moments confused, like, what am I doing with my life? I'm in here cleaning rooms. I've studied. I have a college degree. I'm working hard. Is it making sense? Is there something else on the other side of this? And there was this houseman I'll never forget. His name is Mr. George. God rest his soul. He's passed on now. But he came in and saw me like on my knees, like where I had been broken almost. And he picked me up. He said, young man, you're just at the beginning of your chapter. And he encouraged me to hang in there. And at that moment, that's when I fell in love with housekeeping specifically because I gain a lot of respect because I'm looking at ladies and gentlemen that are doing this every single day, breaking their bodies down, sacrificing the least paid, uh, sometimes undervalued, not appreciated as much as they should. And I had an awakening and I went in I was like, you know what, we're gonna get through this. And that moment, I just locked in on a whole different level. So every three months for the next year, I got a promotion. I worked my butt off and I went from housekeeping supervisor to laundry manager to front office to night manager and worked my way all through the operation. And I did that to prove to myself, but also to almost be a voice and a representative of that particular department that they also can go on and do greater. They're bigger than just someone who's coming in and cleaning the rooms and the work that they do should be, should resonate with our guests and customers and clients here in and here out, and I wanted to vow to be a voice for that department or people like that, because I came from a background that was kind of similar. I related to the housekeeping department. Didn't come from a line of people who were highly educated, but were willing to scrap up and, you know, get in and get dirty and do any job and not make excuses and build a career. And you know, at that same time, I, w- I was building. My, my my daughter was born, so my wife was pregnant with our first child and. So balancing the, like becoming a father, you know, and, you know, like trying to figure out how am, I, how am I gonna support a child and I'm working through cleaning rooms. And again, it was just a tough moment, but a big life lesson and it gained, I gained a lot of respect for the department. I gained a lot of love for the industry and that heart of the house role and experience kind of defined the world. Cause at the same time, through that experience at the Umstead, I was first introduced to luxury five-star. So we did all the Forbes, AAA, mobile five-star training, and those tools and resources that I learned at that moment, I still use and apply to my day-to-day in the operations today. How to find out, how to connect with the customer and the client using their last name and things that I maybe not were was used to, but it taught me in a different way. So those were the foundational principles, and that kind of. Started my story and path. And it's a big chapter.
1: Gosh, I I, I love that story, especially I can picture you in in that hotel room because I I had something like that. And uh, for listeners who haven't done housekeeping. Right. It's definitely you have to have the right mindset, because I remember walking into a room during the pandemic helping. I'd never worked. I'm a food and beverage guy all the way through. And I remember it broke me down. I walked into my 12th room. It's a trash. You see a beautiful day outside the window and you're inside cleaning and you're like, what are we doing here? What's yeah, happening? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I could picture you exactly like that. So I appreciate you sharing that story there. No, but-
0: I mean, I think probably people need to hear that more. I need to share the story more because it's so important. It's like, it's the foundation of our industry, that heart of the house, those hourly associates that are making all those sacrifices. And look, They're cleaning those rooms and they go back to their own concerns and issues in their households and they come back and they show up and they do it every
1: day with a smile. Yep. Yep. That's true. And listeners, make sure you're tipping the housekeepers. All right. I know not everybody knows that. So I'll make sure we'll put it out there today, Juan. Make sure that you're tipping the housekeepers when you stay in a hotel. So I love that you're learning the luxury steps because for a lot of people, when they get into that world, it's like it unlocks a key for them. Like, wow. All right. I get this upper tier service of anticipating and what the guest needs and, and understanding luxury. And you make a move to a new company where you can see that you really were successful. Talked about the company that you moved to and why you did it.
0: Yeah. Well, this, this company was a, it was a move back because I had worked with them. Remember this is the same company that I did my internship with. Yeah. So tell their listeners, which which company was it? It was interstate hotels and resorts now Ambridge hospitality. And so I rejoined the company because I put in some time at the Umstead, two years, and you get to a point where the Umstead was an independent hotel. So you get to a point where there's not a lot of movement upwards. So if you find that there's no one moving around, it's gonna be a while before you can jump into the next promotion. So the, the folks at Interstate Hotels and Resorts, specifically the Hilton Durham at Duke University, tapped into me for a number two role to take on the Director of Rooms Role, rooms division manager. And it was amazing joining the executive committee, going back into full service hotel, but with a major brand. And it was right on the right at the heart of the campus of Duke University, which I wasn't a fan of. But it I was, wasn't gonna a day. Day.
1: yeah, see your Tar Heel <laughs> hanging out. Yeah, you. imagine putting
0: on a Duke Polo every other Friday when the teams came in. But at the end, at that time of my career, you think about it, the, the color that was most important was green, it yeah. wasn't, wasn't light blue. Or great. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, Hilton Durham Duke University was a staple in, in, in the community, done a lot of great work, really nice, well-run hotel, and it gave me a chance to take leadership to another level.
1: Mm-hmm. And what did you feel like when you started working there? Was it you missed something of luxury or was it kind of a mix for you there or you learned a lot of things that you brought with you? A lot that I brought with me, and I think that's what had them, uh, why they were attracted to me because...
0: Now on my resume, there's a guy who has luxury hotel experience. You forgot about the guy who started at the roadside inn, but now you see a guy on paper that has luxury hotel experience and can come in and compete and share different ways to raise the customer experience. Guest satisfaction, whole new level. Associate relations, whole new level, you know, associate relations, whole new level. And then for me, what I've always been attracted to is the community engagement. And the Hilton Durham gave me that opportunity to create some cool programming with community engagement, recruiting highly talented people, but really taking people from one level and watching them grow up and building the team to be like top three in Hilton and top in interstate in all the categories, whether it was profitability, was it revenue, was a guest satisfaction, associate engagement. I mean, really crushing it for years, like consecutively. And it felt really good to run that hotel. I mean, it was like a well old machine. And, you know, I saw the property through a renovation. And at the same time, I started to learn revenue management. So I ended up having a dual role for a while. One day, my director of revenue management came into my office. And when he was taking vacations, he would say, Okay, you're covering for me this week. I said, like, Cool. Learn some revenue management. And then one day he came in my office with this box and said, "Hey, it's all yours now." I was like, "Whoa, what's that?" And then twenty minutes later, I go talk to my GM. I was like, "Yeah, if you can hold it down for a while." So I did the dual role for a year and a half, director of rooms and revenue management. And it was cool because I learned so much. It unlocked a whole new world of, you know, strategy and yielding and learning how to put the right price with the right room, the right weekends, and what do we do when we see compression and expanding so no it was it was a great learning opportunity and i did the revenue management school where i went away for a couple of weeks and learned more strategy so it was a lot of fun and then coupling that with my luxury experience and then with the customer service and guest satisfaction it was a good time with the hilton Durham duke
1: university and you did a great job because you start to move up but you moved to a different city so is that your was that your choosing they say hey i want to be a director of rooms and they're like I see it in Baltimore. I want to go. Or they say, Hey, Juan, well, we got something for you. Do you want to move yes. to Baltimore?
0: Yeah. So this is how it worked. I, we, we did four great years of work, four and a half almost at the Hilton Durham and knocked everything off the charts. And so obviously I was getting tapped for more. I was like, yeah, I'm going to raise my hand. I'll put my name in that. What's next? There's like four cities. It's Baltimore. It was Indianapolis. I think it was like Columbia, South Carolina, and maybe uh, one more. And I was like, well, I don't wanna go to Baltimore. So that's not one that I wanna choose. And then as, as the opportunities lined up, I remember one of my mentors sharing with me, if you wanna grow your career, you gotta be willing to take roles that are less desirable. Go to cities that no one else wants to go to because you'll learn more, you'll be challenged more, but then you'll get to name your own path if you do a good job. And so that's exactly what happened. I got locked in with Baltimore. And, you know, thought about it, came here reluctantly, but also came here where almost where they dangled a carrot. You go here for 18 months, get us in position, you'll be able to go wherever you want to go. So that 18th month, Steve, is now 11 years. I was (laughs) going to say. (laughs) 18 months, now 11 years. But, you know, the Baltimore chapter has been my favorite because it's been the most challenging for sure but it's also been the most rewarding and in, coming to that first opportunity, man, I got my butt kicked. I took a hotel that was red zone, uh, really tough hotel in a true introduction to Baltimore. I was like, man, what was I thinking?
1: What did I sign up for? Why did, why did I come here? But. So what was Baltimore like? Cause it doesn't have the best rep, you know, in the yeah, country. My dad well, is born and raised there, which is interesting. And I've only well, been like one time. So get, what is Baltimore like when you get there? When I get here, it was,
0: a scrappy city. Uh, I'm thinking about the reputation it had and what was happening, and I see full alignment. I see like, man, I might see one day the police are in my lobby. Another day there's a parade outside with the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. Another day there I might have to true story uh, have a suicide in the hotel, or the next day there was a huge fight, and it's like. I can't keep up and keep Mm -hmm. it in mind, it's a big box. Yeah. 100 plus rooms on a Friday night, I'm checking in 600 people cleaning rooms to one or 2 a.m. It was tough. It was tough. But those associates, similar to when I had that breakdown at the Umstead Hotel and Spa, they had my back. They supported me, they pulled me up, they pushed me through the tough moments and they really became family. And they introduced me to Baltimore And they are the reason why I'm still in this city today, because they taught me, they shared me, shared with me, and they, they allow me an introduction into their world. And so it made me want to pull for Baltimore because I think on the surface level, you hear or see one thing, but if you have someone in Baltimore being able to tell the real story, it's a whole nother experience. And now fast forward, I think it's one of the greatest cities. You have to know and understand what it means to people that have been here and fought through some of the challenges, but also seen tremendous and incredible wins along the way. Great people, uh, great food, great folk, great culture. It, it's a really unique experience, just unlike any other, but one that I'm I've been proud to be a part of. And yeah, it gets tough sometimes, but I think on the positive side of it. Real toughness wears a smile, that's something that I always say. And and I, I birthed that out of Baltimore, understanding that if you think you're tough, if you, you think you have what it takes, comparatively so, you come and work and walk a mile in some of our shoes here, and if you can still smile, and I watch and walk with ladies and gentlemen who walk through the loss of loved ones, sons and daughters, to maybe gun violence. Walking and working with people who are battling cancer, but they don't wanna miss a day at work walking, working with people who uh, don't know if they're gonna make it to the next paycheck. And you take those people and still figure out how to create a grand experience. I mean, we took that hotel, which was a, when I came here, Sheraton Baltimore City Center, and it became an award-winning hotel. No one saw it coming. And it was because we worked through the people. We made it really profitable. We turned it around. Then we switched it into an independent hotel. And I had my chance to take a a blank canvas and create something really unique and special. And I did it with the same people. So I was at that same hotel, that same address in Baltimore for five years. Um, And it changed names like a few times. Switched ownerships and each ownership group came in. It's like, hey, we actually need you to stay. You have the keys. We wanna unlock what you have and we'll take care of you. So kind of play the best of both worlds. And that was that first intro chapter why I love Baltimore, how tough it was and, you know, how
1: I kept coming back for more. You make me want to come visit. So I got to come up now. I got to come stay with you. You got to show me around uh, the streets, man. Yeah. So listen, I want to get back to your your journey because you, like you mentioned, you're there for several years and then you get the the big promotion. What I always like to say is the general manager position at the Baltimore Harbor hotel. And you're Correct. doing that with interstate. Yeah. What was that like for you that first day when you walk in as general manager of a hotel and people look to you for all the answers? What was that like for you?
0: You know what, Steve? It was it was a surreal moment. Not because of the title change. That wasn't a big deal to me. Even though you 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 seek those opportunities to grow your career, but what really did it for me is how proud that team was for me because this is the same team and i had been the interim general manager and quite honestly i probably felt like i got skipped over a few times because I, I was i was doing all the work people saw me as the gm but when my team celebrated me and they threw me this big party they invited my wife and my daughter and they truly celebrated me It's like you're our gm i think that was, that was the most incredible feeling and i'm a man of the people so my heart is with the people. So that was a really special time. So I felt good coming in, and I'm like, okay, I've earned this. Uh, I deserve it. I feel good about it. I'm unapologetic, and I'm not settled on this. What's next? How do we grow and do more? And I felt good. It was really, it was really good record, rec- uh, like an experience overall. So one thing I really do want to share. The the few gentlemen that gave me that opportunity to be GM, Brian Spazzino, Greg him. Greg him is super CEO right now. Brian Brian Sparacino, these are CEO guys right now. They left and they've grown a career. Like, But how they shared with me how the opportunity was gonna happen, how it was gonna unfold, those were really special times because they explained it to me in my shoes and these were white males and they explained it to me from their shoes and why it was so important for them to have me acknowledge as a black male and walk in the room, getting the respect that I deserve because they knew we looked different. I will never forget that moment because it, it imparted with me something that is so significant on how we really should see and value people. And to this day, you know, especially Brian, I keep in touch with a little bit more than Greg, but I value him a lot, and uh, they're a big part of my career. And they they allowed me that opportunity along with Ed Burke who is still with the Ambridge and Interstate Company. But that was an influential moment. And those were my takeaways. It was greater than just getting the title, but what it represented for the culture, what it represented for people in the future that look like me, that could see that there was an opportunity for advancement for minorities. So big opportunity there, joining the GM ranks at that one West
1: Fayette Street. Gosh, I love that story. And shout out to those two gentlemen who believed in you. Yeah, to, absolutely. To make that happen. Shout out to Brian Esparacino and Greg Giacino, for sure. <laughs> and so as you're doing it, listen, this is what I love about hospitality is that 10 years earlier, you were just starting out and, you know, and there's no other industry that I've figured out and studied that you can make such big jumps and change your life in that shortest span. Is that kind of how you felt when you got there? Or is that something you're just kind of realizing at this time? No, I, I believe that. I think like you look back
0: and I think the biggest thing, and I'm still explaining this to industry professionals now, especially if you're young coming into the industry, hospitality is still one of those industries where you still have to have the experience. It's not a microwave society where you jump in like, Hey, I'm going to jump in this microwave. And two minutes later, just like popcorn, I'm a GM. You got to have something to show and explain. You got to have stories to tell and you got to earn the respect because you don't wanna be in a situation where you fast forward your career too much. And when you really get into a situation, it's one thing to get promotion, that first one, but what do you do to sustain or get the next promotion? And that's where you can really tell if you have experience or that. And I think that, you know, I was proud to be a GM. It I, I sought out, once I got introduced to the industry, I said, yeah, this is something I wanna be. I had said, I wanna be a general manager and I wanna be an owner. Those are the things that I was chasing. And to finally hit that and look back at my lookbook and my journal on where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. Yeah. I want to be a general manager but by the time I'm 35, that was something that I was chasing because all the other general managers, I knew they were like 50 and 55. And I was like, I got to do it. And so it felt good, like achieving on that level. And it was, I guess it was a fast track.
1: Now, and you mentioned something that the journaling, what, how, how do you journal if you're able to share with us, what, how do you do it? Cause I do away, but always curious when i hear people say they do it because what's your style
0: i have two ways i like the old school traditional way where i really would go buy a journal and write in it and then i have my apple phone iphone and in my notes i take notes and i take pictures and i see a lot of stuff and i'll craft something and i'll later come back and talk about it with an audience because Here's a real life experience. I don't want to forget the moment. I'm going to take a picture. I'm going to jot it down. And then I start to look at goals. So the end of each year, the beginning of each year, and then midway through the year, I'll revisit those and I'll share and I'll talk about it. And I do this also with my family. And my wife is the biggest journaler that we know. And, you know, I take notes from her and how she has been able to find success in in journaling and translating it to books or stories or whatever it looks like. But that's how I do it, I think, it's even in my office, I'll take the big flip chart sometimes and use that as a way to journal. So I have an idea or someone comes to my office with an idea. I want to, I want to earmark it and stamp it so we can come back to it and remember the thoughts we had. So that's a little bit of what I do.
1: I like that, man. Yeah. I'm i I'm a big fan of it. I, I just started with the the one line a day journal three, four years ago. So every day you write down one line of something that happened or what was going on in your mind. And so you can look back and see all these things you're thinking about. So It's cool. So anyhow, I got sidetracked there. I love when people talk about that, but you start making some moves. You become GM and it seems like you're a man in demand. Yeah. Because what's interesting is a lot of people end up moving different cities, but you stayed in the city and you become GM at a couple more places. Kind of give us the, the overview of where you start making some moves?
0: Yeah. So listen, there's an opportunity and I I became a, person that I guess you would assume was connected. So I know a lot of people, I try to support people with no intentions on anything in return, that's just who I am at the core. And Baltimore is a city that loves that type of stuff. And so i met it building a great network. And there's one day where the folks at Kempton, Kempton Hotels and Resorts, they uh, reach out and they wonder if I can have a conversation with them about Baltimore and what's happening. And I knew they were looking for a GM because the previous GM was a friend. And he told me he was leaving, Hold on. And so what happens is they call me up, say, we're going to meet. And as we're talking, it's like, hey, yeah, like, wanted to get your take on Baltimore. What do you think of the market? What's happening? You've been here. I understand you're on a couple of boards and you, you're a person of influence in the industry. Uh, what do you think about it? So I'm talking, and it's like, hey, well, what would you think about, like, joining our team? Do you have any interest in, like, coming and being, you know, our next leader. And I was kind of taken back. like like me. Like, it's, you know. Uh, smooth it's like, recruiting. And smooth yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at it. And at the time, this hotel was like a top 10 hotel in the market. And so for me, it's an upgrade to join a company, this luxury boutique. And I went from big box hotel to smaller, shrinking down, being able to hone in on those skills and those things that I really loved about the Umstead. Mm-hmm. So it was starting to come back. And I was like, all right, let's get back into it. And joined the team, flew out to San Francisco, met CEO Mike DeFrino, and met the team. felt like a, Kempton was a real personable company.
1: Wow. Even the CEO is interviewing at that level. So, yeah. Long.
0: You What's interview happening? with the CEO and like, that was a cool deal. And I went out and was drinking a Kool-Aid and here we go. We moved and I, I jumped into it and it was an extraordinary experience. Loved it. I thought it was a cool company that, you know, allow people to really be themselves and it felt good. It was cool. Again, big, big company, good reputation in the, in the market. And, uh, cool. So
1: had, had a, had a good run with Kempton hotels and resorts. And what was that like joining Kempton? Cause that's one I think it's one of the cooler brands. They have fun hotels all over the country and do a lot of nice initiatives and wine hours and all this fun stuff. What was it like for you?
0: Well, they were super connected to the community and engagement. It was different because they really allowed people to kind of lead themselves. All their buildings were really cool. A lot of adaptive reuse, repurposing. And like you said, like the wine hour or their plate, what they did to engage with pets, pet owners, those type of things. It was a lot different than what I experienced before. But it was fast forward. It was, in, in my mind, it was still like, luxury elevation because of the property that i came from it was like huge steps up from how it was viewed you know what i mean so i think that it was a fun time i mean really really engaging and i still would say a fun company so then you join your new home yeah how did that transition happen oh man this is a story that i tell to our know thyself crew which is the onboarding experience and orientation for lack of a better term so the general manager, my predecessor now, he was here at Sagamore, Pinji Baltimore. And when this hotel came to the market, I was currently a GM at another competitor hotel. They would start to take a lot of my staff and leadership. I'm like, okay, you know, that's what you do. You, if you're a recruiter, if you are the best of the best, people will follow you. And I get it. So I had a few of my leaders to say, hey, I think, I'm thinking about joining this team. I actually encouraged them. But i was a supporter of this hotel before i became a partner in this hotel and so what happened was date nights celebrations my wife and i would go out when family and friends would come into town i would actually bring them to this hotel and say hey, get to the Pendry." i said you should see this hotel they've done such a good job what a gift to the city They took an adaptive reuse so i would come in and i would walk in i would come so often that i would wave my hand at the front office staff they knew who i was because i knew a lot of people in town When my stakeholders from the ownership of my hotel came in from San Francisco, I would bring them over and say, hey, you got to go see this hotel. This is our competition. What I was really doing is saying, hey, look, we need to make investment in our property because this is the competition. You got to see this. And I knew that they were doing such a great job. And I knew that Kevin Plank, who was the CEO and chairman of Under Armour at the time, was involved in this project. It was his. And I was like, this is cool. But anyway, my predecessor, Dave Hoffman, who's currently to Pendry West Hollywood, soon to be Pendry transitioning to when he goes to Pendry, Newport Beach. He called me up. We sit on the board of directors at Visit Baltimore. And we sat in a board meeting one day and we're talking. And he said, hey, I want to reach out to you later. I got something I want to run by you. So after our board meeting, he calls me up and he's like, hey, I'm leaving. And montage is really big on having us challenging the GMs to find our replacements. I said, okay, cool. Who are you looking at? How can I help you? I thought he needed me to vet someone out, kind of like the Kempton deal. But but lo and behold, what he didn't know is that I actually was already deep in bed with another company and I was in route to move back to North Carolina. Not a lot of people knew that. My wife and I started looking at homes in Charlotte. I was gonna go open a brand new hotel in Charlotte. I was excited about that gotten in bed with that company ready to make a move and when dave called me ironically the week before i was like hey babe it, talking to my wife it's been a while so i don't think anything's gonna keep me in baltimore this go around i think it's time for us to head back south i said the only thing that would keep me here is the pendry but we know that's not happening because Dave's not going anywhere literally a week later dave hoffman calls me has that conversation and i'm kind of blown away at like god and the universe aligning like And that connection happened and, you know, truth to be told, one of the really special moments that happened to me, not a lot of people know this story. When I was at the Kempton Hotel, Monaco, unfortunately I lost my father to death by suicide. It was May 25th, 2018. And I got the job offer. I had this stamped on paper. May 25th, 2019 to be the general manager of the Penji Baltimore. Then it's a lot unlocked in that story, Steve, but for me, it was the right thing. It was the right time. And it was a perfect relationship and marriage montage through the recruitment process, which happened really quick. Dave called me on a Wednesday. I'm talking to the executive vice president on a Friday. I was on a plane to Laguna beach on a Sunday night and My first introduction in terms of staying overnight was Montage Laguna Beach. And the rest is history. I think I wrote my letter of resignation on the way out. (laughs) So so it's like, hey, listen. But, you know, as I mentioned about Mike DeFrino, CEO of Kenton, going to meet him in San Francisco, that was great. But when I went out and met Mike Firstman, Alan Firstman, the Firstman family in Irvine, California, after experiencing an extreme welcome and a luxury experience from Montage Laguna Beach. The rest is really history. It felt personable, it felt real. It was back into the highest level of luxury. And there's no way I could turn down the opportunity. At the same time, I'm better than myself. If they get me this far, I'm gonna close the deal. But I just I connected with them, it was authentic, and that was just one side of the puzzle. The other side of the puzzle was that this hotel was backed and supported by Kevin Plank and Scott Plank, the Plank family, Mark Weller and Weller Development, they put this project together, and these are people that are super influential, believe in Baltimore, poured into Baltimore, and really want a Baltimore to win. Such an underdog story, and they created a luxury experience here that no one else believed in. And now look at what's happened. So I get a chance to join one of the top hotels in the entire country. And in fact, it was the number one hotel, my Condé Nast at the Readers' Choice Award. So to go into that, I don't know how I could turn it down. And it meant so much to me personally and professionally that I wanted to get on board and I had a lot of energy and passion behind my desire to be a part of it. And it's been that way from, since day one.
1: God, I, lo- I love the story. And for listeners, this may sound familiar because we had Mary Rogers on, who's at Laguna Beach Montage. So it's Absolutely. a small world. That's what she said. Yep. Yeah. She said that the recruitment process was just like that. She wasn't planning on leaving and got to meet the family and knew when she was heading out, I got to work here. So Montage is doing something right because yes, now that's, they are back to back leaders saying the same thing. That's why I love hearing that. So you get there, you're joining really an ultra luxury company. You're the GM of this fantastic hotel in Baltimore. Do you hit the ground running, some speed bumps, or what was it like for you when you get there?
0: I hit the ground running, or at least I wanted to, but here's Mm -hmm. my respect level for Montage International. My executive vice president at the time told me, hey, listen, I know you probably want to get out on your own and do your own thing, but I want to remind you that at Montage International, the training wheels never come off. And at first I was like, well, so I want to be able to like go full throttle. But what that really meant, what that translated into for me is that there's always layers of support here. And this is a company where I can reach out to the CEO, the creative director. I can reach out to the CFO. I can reach out to the CEO, anyone in the company. I literally have built a personal rapport. They might text me and check in And it's not always about numbers or performance. It's like your family, how are you doing? Anything cool coming up? And that's just a different feeling right now. When you think about doing luxury hospitality on the highest level, you think there are some nuances in there. And as we grow, you know, I'm sure we're gonna have to scale and find ways to scale. But right now, and what I've experienced is that, you know, not only have they given me the keys to drive and steer the ship, but it's super supportive so supportive in a way we bring our own ideas to the table and integrity is at the forefront. And as long as we're unlocking those core values, this is a place where the sky continues to be the limit. There's so much more growth. I have so much more passion to push towards what the future holds. And I'm building avenues and creating lanes for other people to join me along the way. And we're building a fascinating story You know, it's no end in sight, no slowdown in sight. And back to the visionary, Mr. Alan Persman, one of the things I always love that he shares is that he wants to be defined by the deals that they didn't do. And I said, well, what on earth does that mean? You think of these companies that are growing so fast, I think we have a chance. We could have 50 hotels right now if we wanted to as a brand, as a portfolio, as a company, but he's so careful and thoughtful and intentional about picking the right partner, picking the right location, having the right investment and creating the right situation for all of our associates. And because of that, we take our time with each selection and I've been fortunate enough to host a lot of those investors that are looking at adding a pendry or a montage to their portfolio because they love our property so much that they come in and I'll offer a tour and I'll get a call and say, Hey, we have some people that are thinking about investing in the next montage of Pendry, and they wanna look at Baltimore as an example. Well, how cool is it? Because moments ago I just told you this was one of those undesirable cities, not even I wanted to come to. But well, now it's a role model city. Now you can take this flagship property and look at how well, crafted, how well it was done and let that be an example. So how I recruit and how I retain my associates and the inspiration that I get to them I share that, hey, listen, every interaction that you have, every customer, guest, and client that we interact with, we have a chance to change not only their impression of Baltimore, but their impression on hospitality as an industry, their impression on Montage and Pendry as a brand, and everything that we do in this property influences the entire globe. And I'm really proud of that because that makes us show up for work each day. You know, you take the original part of it and now look at it now and now we're playing in the big leagues. We're gaining the influence. We're gaining the reputation. We're changing lives. We're introducing people to hospitality and people are going to talk about it. And how about people that are from this city in this town that have experienced some rough times now get to be a part of life changing experiences that go and travel all across the world based off an experience. Sagamore, Penji, Baltimore, and on the cobblestone streets of Fells Point, one of the oldest neighborhoods in the city and in the country. And that's something to get excited about, Steve.
1: Listen, I can feel your passion and pride about not only your company, but also the city, which you got me fired up. I'm coming up. So make (laughs) sure you have a room ready for me. I do. I have it. Yeah, but I want to make, I want to touch on one thing. You talked about the pride in the city and helping people come up, and you got another title in your. Not just general manager, now you're got the corporate director of social impact for the company. So what does that mean? Break it down for me.
0: I'd love to. So essentially, you have an opportunity to impact our stakeholders, our associates, the industry. And it's really a close-up look at corporate responsibility, social responsibility, community engagement, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. so what that role means to me what it means to montage how we unlock making sure that our guests and our associates feel a sense of belonging in every one of our properties that's what it's about so we want to be represented in the communities that we serve we want to have a place so our associates who live in these communities we want to be able to go to those same communities and show up and do good work so whether we're working with kids youth or whether we're doing work with animals or pets or sustainability and making sure the water is clean and safe and sustainability is done in such a way where we're protecting the earth or whether we are making sure that minorities have opportunities for career advancement or they're seen as equal and they are represented in a way where it feels like, maybe I should consider joining that company because I see people who look like me i see people who may believe in the same things i believe in and what we are doing through social impact is creating those safe spaces where everyone can show up and i think it's so telling because i could be doing something totally different in baltimore that i'm doing in park city utah or something totally different in kapalua bay hawaii and maui that i'm doing in big sky montana and because of that we all are embracing diversity in a different way but we're all finding ways to have our people represented and they feel good about coming to work and they feel a sense of celebration. So they're often celebrated, not tolerated. And it's a big difference. And I think that's one of the statements that we like to make and push our way in. So I show up to some of the properties and I make sure that they're actively engaged in the community and have a full committee that helps me take the show on the road. And then we're also teaching DEI content at every single property. So we're not just talking to talk. We're going out From an hourly level to a management level, and myself included, we're going out and facilitating at every property at least once a year and showing ways and examples in real time, real life situations and scenarios. And it's about educating, educating our workforce on who we are, why we are this way, how we intend to show up and reminding people that the Firstman family had thought really highly of our properties and diversity has always been at the forefront and now we just want to be more intentional about it.
1: So that's,
0: that's my role as corporate director of social impact.
1: Man, I love it. I think that's amazing what your company is doing. I love hearing it for the Firstman family out there. Let's get one down here to my hometown of Miami and Miami beach. I'm ready to uh, have one down here, but Juan, you, you've given a lot of time up to me and i and to the listeners and that we appreciate that, but we have, I have one last question for you. So. You've done a lot, you've been at all different companies and you've had all different kinds of positions. But if you were talking to young Juan and he was joining your team today, right? Young Juan is starting on your team today at your hotel. What advice are you giving him if he asked for it?
0: My advice to a young Juan would be follow your passion. And what that means to me is, I think early in your career, we end up chasing the financial side because we want to make a lot of money not understanding that if you find work that you can commit to that you believe in that will allow you to make a living even if you can't afford everything that you want but that's the best work because it's the most fulfilling and eventually you'll find alignment in both of those so i would tell the young one find out what they're most passionate about find something that they believe in and give their all to it and never Never, ever forget where young Juan started. So you always want to have your hand reaching backwards to pull somebody else up along the way. And that ensures that we build a world that resonates with how important it is to take people with you along the journey. Pull someone else up, give someone else an opportunity. I shouted out Brian Sparacino and I shouted out Greg, you see him. I shouted out that professor that became a godmother, Dr. Beverly Bryant at North Carolina Central University. People like that who gave me a chance, who unlocked something that was great in me. Now I can shout out the Firstman family and the Kevin Plank and Scott Planks of the world who find something they can believe in and support it. And then I shout out to what it takes to get here. It's easy to get frustrated if you're not moving fast enough. But when you're doing great work, it's a lot of fun. So you forget about the timeline. And I think that the promotions, the advancements, you know, the wish list, the bucket list, the dreams, they're all start to unfold. And so I feel extremely fortunate, blessed and favored to be in the position that I am today. But not one day do I take it for granted what it took to get here and how important it is for me to help unlock someone else's dreams. So giving back is probably one of the most important pieces of that. That's what I would share
1: with that young one. Hold on to it. Listen, I think that's a great place to end this conversation. That's fantastic advice for anybody in any career. Well, Juan, I appreciate you taking the time to join us all today. If somebody wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that?
0: Well, it's easy to find me on LinkedIn. That's a place where I'm active and I am who I am. There's Instagram. You can find me at Juan from Madison, just like it's spelled. Madison is my rural, small hometown in North Carolina. So those are the platforms. If you want to see me in person, you can always show up to 1715 Thames Street in the heart of Bell's Point in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm most often here, but I welcome everyone to find an opportunity to engage. I love uh, helping and supporting and learning. So that's how you can find me.
1: All right, listeners, well, we got our invite. Let's go head up to Baltimore together. We'll go uh, check out Juan. He's got a giant smile and just a good personality. I can feel the warmth coming off you. So Juan, thanks again for joining us. Steve, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for being able to share with me. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.